1: theater, and the visual arts. This is The Working Artist Project.
2: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Today is the first time we're doing a morning podcast. Uh, today is Thursday, May 19th, 2020. Mr. Darian Douglas, how are you doing today? Greg, I'm
0: good, man. I'm happy to be back in the States, stateside, with my family, my own bed, and uh, yeah, everything, yeah, everything's good, man. How you doing?
2: I'm doing great. I am very, very, very upset that I forgot my XLR cable at home and I'm doing this current uh, podcast on my AirPods. I'm just, uh, you know, I, I'm going to have to practice some self-forgiveness and just just roll with it for today. So everyone listening at home, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> don't get yeah,
0: for, for once, I sound sexier to you, man. So, hey, everybody, what's up? I'm sexy. Oh, I got something to say. I got something to say. This podcast yep, okay. is brought to you by Isotope.
2: It's nice to have you back. Oh, come <laughs> on. You know, you know you've know, you been a musician for a minute when you're not only excited to hit the road, but you are equally slash more excited to make it back home, sleep in your own bed, and be with your people.
0: Oh, absolutely, man. All right, man, why don't we jump right into it? You got somebody special for us today, right?
2: So tonight we have a... Oh God, tonight, this morning... You know what happened? So we were supposed to shoot this podcast on Monday, and unfortunately, you know, being in New Orleans, it's a uh, it's a constant practice of flexibility and patience. And uh, just like clockwork, I think the internet went down the entire city at <laughs> one minute before the shooting of the podcast. So we we are rescheduling to today, and uh, we have a, a fantastic drummer, and uh, an entrepreneur, and a social media influencer of sorts. Uh, We have the fantastic Tanner Gus in the house, and uh, he is the founder of a wonderful, wonderful, um, uh, we'll call it an enterprise of thought and uh, good vibes called the Happy Musician. And uh, yeah, let's welcome the great Tanner Gus to the Working Artist Project.
1: Greg, Darian, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely,
2: bro, welcome. This is one of those special moments where we're like, we're podcasters Mm -hmm. interviewing
1: podcasters. Yeah. (laughs) 'Cause there are there are layers that <laughs> of frustration that go into producing a podcast show that only other podcasters can appreciate. Absolutely like the go? internet. Where, yeah. where the internet goes. Go? Yeah. I knew you'd be very understanding about it because it's just like, oh, oh yeah, the, the green lights flashing today. I can't do anything. Oh well.
0: I see it's like that sometimes, bro. So you've been your podcast has been going since what, twenty nineteen?
1: Yeah. Episode 70 was the
0: last one. Congratulations, man. Because if, if there is something, we, we've been doing this since 2016, on and off. And uh, I guess I did it for 2016 to like 2018 alone, took a break. And then during the pandemic, Greg uh, got on here with me. And we've been going ever since. I think this is episode one, maybe 150 or somewhere in there. But uh, it's, it's rough to keep it going, man. You just to, to just keep pushing through and um you know collecting listeners as as you go along man what what motivates you to keep your to keep your show going
1: i guess the well in fairness i am taking a month like the whole month of may off which has been like huge for me because i the whole reason of doing the podcast was wanting a more wholesome like enjoyment based relationship with music and i think i've found that in a lot of ways And I still felt really stressed. And then it turns out that a lot of it is just from trying to do the podcast on top of like a full professional music life. Um, And I'm envious that you guys have a a team. The two of you can like do the podcast together because it's, yeah, you know, like a lot of work. So doing it on my own was just so much. um, And so a lot of my stress was just from like trying to facilitate this place where I can have space to ask musicians about how to do this and enjoy it and uh, like ask questions for people who seem to have answers. Um, And in order to do that, that takes a lot of work. Uh, And so I'm now having to figure out how to like have that same wholesome relationship with podcasting that I have found with music. Um, But the thing that keeps it going is the same reason that I started in the first place was that I felt stressed and I felt like, a lot of the focus around music and music, podcasting and businesses was about getting like, how do you get the gig? How do you get the gig? And I was gigging and I saw people who had been gigging for decades and seemed like they just hated it. And so I wanted a more mental health centered approach and couldn't find anything. So I decided to start my own podcast and I keep doing it because I'm, learning so much. And I feel like there's no other way for me to have these conversations. And I'm finding people along the way, our little wholesome minded musician community who feel the same way and believe in enjoying the gig. And I love that, just that thing that we're building in that perspective. I'm very honored to be sharing, I guess.
2: I love that so much and i feel like a, a core motivating um a, a motivating factor that has like ignited a lot of my projects has been kind of like exactly what you were saying like a lot of times i found myself searching for a specific thing and realizing that it didn't exist and then all of a sudden it's like wait that means i need to do it mm-hmm. so yeah i mean even even with second line i think when when we started this whole project um Darian and i you know again wanted to create an opportunity for the young people in new orleans but we we were kind of like yo like our generation of musicians weren't really getting the um, you know the, the FaceTime on the interviews. We weren't getting the opportunities to teach. We weren't getting the opportunities to mentor. So we're like, man, look, maybe we should start this whole this whole enterprise and and be that first mover that creates that that same thing we were looking for. Um, and and I love what you've been doing too. Like again, yeah, it's like, what's the point of having a gig if you're not enjoying it? What's the point of being a musician if you're not? You don't have a high quality of life, whether that be, you know, uh, financially or, or, you know, and, and mentally also. It's all mm-hmm. extremely important things. Um, so, Matt, why don't we take a step back just a little bit? Yeah. And uh, can you tell us about the concept of Happy Musician and how that came about and, um, and all the different things that you do through that name?
1: Yeah. So the Happy Musicians is where it's not about getting the gig. It's about enjoying it. And it... Started, I guess, probably three or four months after I moved here. I went to Indiana University for school and moved straight to New Orleans. So I'm from Salt Lake City originally um, and made my way here and just felt overwhelmed and wanted answers. And I'm, you know, a devout Gen Z kid. So I tried to find it in a podcast uh, or a YouTube channel and I didn't find answers there. So... I launched the show and mostly the things that I do now are having these conversations and I've done a little bit of clinic work, um, which I want to do more of. I don't know. I I love what you guys are doing because you've, you've fleshed your, your project out into so many different things, which I'm, I'm really interested in doing as well. Like a happy musician summer camp would be so fun. Um, But Mostly I play, like, I don't teach really. I just have my weeklies and doing the blue collar thing here in the city. And kind of, I guess, field testing the things that I talk about on the show.
0: You know what I'm thinking right now, man? I got a question for you, for both y'all. Because, mm-hmm. and, and I'm trying to think, you know, the happy musician is, is focused on being happy, but what thing in life do we enjoy or are happy about every time other than sex. I mean, like <laughs>
2: you know what I mean? Like music, in my opinion. Don't let, don't, don't let Darren uh, you know, throw throw in these words and, and <laughs> hey, don't throw us into that. It's on, Darren's just purely speaking by, on behalf of himself right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is about this is about me. I'm just I'm just curious, like you know what I'm mean? I'm just saying this. I I do wanna enjoy every gig and, and I do believe that that's fully in my control, but I don't think that it reflects the human experience is what I'm saying. Yeah. that Like an and honest human experience. So is it, is it not, it's kind of unattainable to always be happy. Like for sure. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a fair first criticism of the show. And I do think that in some cases that makes the branding and the message of like, Oh, this is the happy musicians podcast. And people are like, well, you can't be happy all the time, so this this isn't for me. Uh, I, I agree with that, too. But I also think that I know, especially people my age who went through the music school gauntlet and left with a lot of trauma and a pretty messed up relationship with music as a result. There's an, uh, an obsession with quality, which I don't think we're getting right. And an idea that the reason like (laughs) you're not having fun is that you don't sound good enough yet. And I think that that is where the problem lies, because I feel like if you are, I don't know, if I think about how I am right now, And I think about how I sound and how I'm playing. I know I can get so much better, even though compared to 10 years ago, I'm way better, right? So should I be enjoying it more now than I was 10 years ago because I'm that much better? And then do I need to wait another 10 years so that I can finally enjoy it? And I feel like I watched a lot of my friends just get into this learned helplessness phase where they'll never enjoy playing music because they are convinced they don't sound good enough and actually i think that what's limiting their music from having the weight and the soul and really connecting with people is that when we're playing we're so worked up about sounding good and in our heads and not connecting with the music and loving it and sharing that love in the moment sharing our love for sound and our connection with it and our appreciation with this group of people that we want to make music with and celebrating that right there. And instead just like measure my measure. Was that good? Was that good? Was that idea good? And I think it messed a lot of us up. And so there are obviously going to be gigs that despite your best effort, you don't enjoy. And there will be times where I'll leave a gig and realize, yeah, I, I should have warmed up more. I should have been more prepared on the rep. We'll, We'll get them next time. But it's not a rule in that, you know, you should always enjoy it, but more of an ideal that I would rather put my love for music and connecting with that deeply ahead of needing to sound quote unquote good. If that makes sense. Okay.
0: I I get I got, I got a better understanding now. So, so it seems like the, the rub, let let me just talk to the people who aren't musicians Mm -hmm. listening to this. Music is one of the few or the arts uh, fields where there is no evaluation from your boss at the end. So, so what you're talking about is you. we have to self-evaluate and then also be honest and kind to ourselves while we're creating and then after. Mm-hmm. And so what you're saying is people are taught in music school the process of self-critiquing pushes people's like Confidence and motivation to continue to create, almost to zero, is is what you're saying is 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 a product of music education in, in universities and high schools and stuff like that. I just want to make sure that that's what you're saying, right? Yeah, a lot of times. Right. Okay. Cool. So just so we all know, that's what's happening. There ain't no evaluation where your boss comes in and says, you know what, Tanner, today you did you did a great job, man. Mm-hmm. In the last six months, you get a raise. It's not like that for for uh, artists. So we so yeah, there, there is a that, that fine line of like, all right, how do I self-evaluate myself, but also keep my confidence level and my joy of creating this thing high? That's that's hard. Yeah. You know, but I'm gonna push back and say that if you're having a problem with that, then it's your problem. Mm. And, and so you you, in my opinion, and, and I'm curious to to see what Greg thinks about this is that you have to find a way to get out of your own way. And and I'll leave it here. I was having a conversation with Brian Blade one time, and he told me, I was asking him about the process of creation and and if he's thinking, and he told me this, his exact words was, if I'm thinking, I know I'm in trouble. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That That's kind of where I'm at with it. Like, stop judging it. Yeah. And just enjoy the process of creating, even if it's terrible,
1: (laughs) even if it feels terrible. Yeah. I'm definitely on board with that. And I, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of words that can fill in like the blank musician or whatever. And I, I chose happiness maybe just because I like the, the rub against the tortured artist stereotype, but that place is definitely what I'm looking for. And for me, the lens that I view that flow state, bliss, that space of not thinking, just connecting with the music is joy, is love for the music in the moment. Like if I just, if I can love it unconditionally, I get so invested in it and so curious about every aspect of the sound and and how to make it better and support it. And that's what gets me to that space. But you could you could fill it in with a lot of different words, I think, and and the end goal would be similar.
2: It's funny because I jokingly told Darian, I was like, Darian, this is going to be triggering for the both of us today, and and, and it's funny because I, I love it's man, I, we I call it the jazz myth, you know, like we I feel like a lot of us were. I'll, I'll just speak for myself. I was indoctrinated in the jazz myth and the jazz myth to me is like you know you're going to be striving for this unattainable musical thing your entire life and you're just going to continue striving and striving and striving and no matter what you do you're always going to have this feeling of like wanting to get better and and not being good enough and then that translates to you know like the legitimacy of our art is you know if if it's fringe and people don't really like it that means what we're doing is good and we should always be striving for this like i don't know like i and i just feel like with the jasmine there's a lot of negative connotations right then i mean you think of something like whiplash i think whiplash was a pretty extreme um representation of what happens in the community but i feel like it was accurate in in the in in, in small ways and yeah, I think that like moving forward, or even like just talking about my experience too, growing up, man. We, I had mentors who were hard as, I'd say hard as fuck, man. Like <laughs> that were like, you know, when we're, we're not approaching things from like a wholesome, loving, or I mean, I think they were actually, but but it was verbalized in a very contradictory way, and um, and so I just remember first coming across your content, and like my first reaction was like. Argh! You know <laughs> like we can't do that but then the more the more i started thinking about it and the more i was like kind of processing it i was like man like did yeah how, how did i feel like leaving these situations and and living with this this like tremendous weight on my shoulders all the time and 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 i you know th- i guess i came to the conclusion that that's not the answer either and so yeah i mean i i think part of what you're doing too is is like maybe a generational shift? I don't know,
1: did did you feel? Oh, I think that's very clear from my perspective too. Um, And from your generation and especially like generations above you, uh, just a very, I think, I feel like Gen Z is pretty ready to just be like, um, any intrusion on our personal sense of happiness that we feel we take very seriously. Um, even if it's from but 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 you do have to play that balance where like if I go sit in with like David Torkinowski I have to go in knowing that I chose to be in that room and if he wants to give me some shit like he does because that's just like how he relates with people I chose to be there and I have to accept that and so I I can't then like police him um, because I chose to go sit in on his gig you know there but if i'm going to like pursue a gig that i want to get i'm probably not going to just think about who's the best musician in town i'm going to think what's the room that i feel really alive in and the 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 players that i look up to and want to be like and when i'm around them make me feel like i matter and that my voice is important and those are the rooms i'm going to pursue instead. And I think that's actually getting me closer to the things musically that I want to say and places that I want to go more so than just like chasing cloud.
2: Yeah. You know, it's funny over the pandemic, I had this like crazy thought and for such a long time, like I would actually use um, a lot of the things that you're kind of referencing like the the negative things as like a motivating factor for me like you know like i would be on the bandstand be like oh shit that sucked you know and therefore because that sucked i need to practice And, and i just felt like i felt fell into this like cycle of like some type of negative enforcement would translate into motivation my motivation for achieving something better you know and then I asked my, myself, I was like, man, how, how do we continue to be motivated to improve when we're not beating ourselves up, when we're not being negative towards ourselves? Um, and and I, this, this is where you come in. This is like a whole other mindset in, in, in just kind of flipping that. Like, again, like, like so what, what is your perspective? How do you find motivation in, um, in you know, I guess uh, affirming and positive ways for ourselves? And how do you, how do you use that to motivate your greatness as a musician and a person?
1: Yeah. One thing that's been helpful and I, I've gotten this a lot from a drummer here. Well, he's all around, but Pedro Segundo, uh, who I'm trying to think of the things in music that I do and, and hear more on spectrums as opposed to just like, okay, this is a good ride symbol and this is a bad ride symbol. Or like, this, this tuning is bad or, or this that's a good idea, that's a bad idea. And trying to just hear them for what they are and form a, a relation with that and then understand what that might sound good in. So like, for instance, like a real uh, light, like kind of plastically sounding snare drum um, on a like a straight ahead gig would be rough. But then I listen to these indie rock like garage band records and I'm like, oh, that's the sound. Um, but if, if I just played that and was like that, that snare drum sucks, like that's a bad sound. I put that in the bad sound category and then every time I hear it or, or play it, I'm just like bad. But then I hear it in the context that it should be in and it's amazing. Like, oh, that's exactly what that needed. And not just gear, but like a certain idea where it's just like if I'm chugging along and I'm like good idea oh, no bad idea bad idea and just like, like well what was that what what, what was the sound What, what were the dynamic levels and where did it fall rhythmically and so trying to be more precise than just good and bad and actually hear it for what it was in a lot of ways just that process of curiosity has circumvented just doing the binary like good bad good bad thing and just honestly can get you into that space more because you get so focused on what you're doing and just in an observational way, not in a judgmental way.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. You know what I'm thinking about right now, Tanner? Mm-hmm. This this is very interesting conversation for me because I'm witnessing before my eyes a cultural shift in music. and And what I mean by that is this, our music, the music we call jazz or black American music, came from the streets. Mm-hmm. But then it went to college, baby. Yeah. And so, what happened, what hap- what's happening now, and I'm witnessing with you and some in, in the younger generation as me and Greg get old is now that it's in university and it ain't on the street no more, you know, uh, the way it's taught has to change. Because the sensitivity, the sensitivity level has changed. Like you're a more sensitive cat, and I mean it's in a positive way, not in a negative mm-hmm. way at all, than than me. Because I I didn't learn music in school. I learned music on the street, and and so when you learn music on the street, people talk to you a certain way. But when you're in a classroom, you know you have to talk a, a different way. You can't come in here with motherfuckers and this and that. You have to present present the information in a different way. And so if you come up learning like that, you're going to come up expecting people when you do get out of school to continue that communication style. And and if it doesn't continue, it will affect your happiness. (laughs) Like if you get on a bandstand and X person starts telling you, you sound terrible because that's what the person taught them. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. This is like a, a literal cultural shift. It, it, it's interesting to, to witness. Yeah. Um, especially as a black person, because to, for me, this music is directly correlated to to, to my culture right. as a black right. man. You see what I'm saying? Like it came out of my history. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like it, now it's coming from a new place. And, and we, I think we all have to acknowledge that especially as educators, Greg, because if we keep doing what we did, these cats are not gonna to listen to us. It's not gonna resonate, they're not gonna learn.
1: Yeah. And I, 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 it is kind of weird for me when, as I do it, because, uh, and as the episode count goes up and it's been a few years and people are inviting me on to do other podcasts and talk about what, the, what this perspective I have is, is like, I know I'm still really green and young like I'm, I'm 24 and I'm it's almost like a live diary of me growing as a musician in my career so it's not like I've had this whole career from this mindset and I can prove to you like it works because I got to XXX and next thing Uh, and also like I'm a a guest in to, to black American music and I'm not and I try to approach that respectfully where it's like I'm not, I'm not trying to tell anyone else how to do things. Um, Cause really I'm in, in the episodes, like it's so personal because it's just like, this is this anxiety or situation with music that I am not figuring out. And I find one person who seems to have the answer and we, that's what we talk about. And I found that even though it's really just me trying to find answers for myself, people are resonating with a lot of what gets talked about and want to find similar things. So I, I'm trying to remind myself regularly that I'm not trying to create like a new curriculum for everyone else to follow, but a recipe that's working for me that other people can draw on as well. And I guess, yeah, I just don't resonate with the mentality that the whole reason of doing this is to get good and even necessarily to get better. Like, I don't know what that means anymore And when I give myself permission and just focus on like, okay, I'm going to sit down and play drums and have as much fun as possible and like really love the time that I'm spending with music. That is more fruitful every time. And I also am seeing that it's not stopping my progress in any way. In a lot of ways, my progress feels easier than ever. And it's leading me because now I'm going by my taste and my personal connection with music it's leading me to the people that I should be playing with because it, I play Nashville with them and we have similar perspectives on music. And like the music that we make is really exciting and giving me permission to explore like genres outside of like straight ahead that I've been wanting to do but didn't feel like I could. And now those are leading to exciting things. And following the things that I actually care about and my taste is actually getting me to the places that I really wanted to be more so than than just trying to be the best drummer ever and I do think that this is actually getting me to the best version of myself uh but it was backwards from maybe what I was taught you know that uh, you'll you'll have so much fun if you just get really good first yeah. but'm I'm, I'm definitely curious because I know again like, this is just where I'm coming from, from my generation. And I don't know for, for older people how frustrating or if it's just like, sounds naive or not. Um, it's, you know, again, it's, it's still in it field testing. Being
2: called old, that's what, that's. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, We're not old, yeah, we not old, yeah.
2: 24 hours like shit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, what I will say is, it, to me, the, it's, it's interesting to think that you, and you, like you just said, your, your goal isn't to, like you're not focused on getting better. So I was just like, okay, well, how do you know that you're getting better if you're not focused on getting better? And, and I'm, I'm all with having fun too. And it's just my, this is just a disconnect for me. I'm not saying this wrong. I'm just curious about like, how do you, how do you know, uh, how do you measure progress if you're not thinking or working towards that?
1: That's a fair question. Mm, I guess I don't know if I have a metric right now for that. Other than like, I'm getting called for gigs that I've, you know, like I went, Peter Harris has a regular at the Bayou Bar, the Pontchartrain Hotel. Uh, And I went just to listen, like for a year. Every day, every week, multiple times, like I'd be the only musician there a lot of weeks and... I feel like the metric for progress for me is like, I get called for that gig now and I get called back to play again. And so maybe it's the rooms that I end up in and the gigs I get called for and the people who trust me to share their musical message with them uh, is is the metric that I'm following now. Um, and by that metric, I I do feel like I am improving because of the, the calls that I'm getting. But sometimes just the... I don't know. It's hard to measure progress on an instrument in some cases, like you could measure, okay, I can play this idea faster and with more clarity, but I feel like my, what I want to say on the instrument changes a lot based on what I'm listening to and the music that I'm doing. And then all of a sudden, like, well, that faster idea actually doesn't really serve the music now. So just cause I could do it doesn't make it any better. And, maybe I just get really confused in my head when I'm trying to to quantify what getting better is. um, And it ends up being unproductive, Um, but I'm, I'm an overthinker at heart. So I, I do still go through the process of like, here's an idea that I want. And when I sit with it and it's not coming out, how I'm hearing it, I practice and work to get it to where I'm hearing it. And I go through those stages too. Um, But when it's all said and done and I finish that, I don't know if I'm just like, well, I'm a better musician now because I have this idea integrated. It's more just like, that was fun to learn the idea that I really wanted to hear. And I guess that's how I feel about playing music is like, I heard it as a kid and I was like, I love this and I want to participate in it, you know, like whatever this is, I just want it around me more and I want to be involved in the process. And then... I'm trying to treat practice and playing that same way. It's like, this is what I wanted to do. Like, I just want to be around this sound. Um, And the practice room, it's like, well, I want to be around a sound that's like this, but in this direction, like with this kind of clarity or articulation or, or spacing, you know, and getting it to that point. But like, all I ever wanted was to be in the room where the music was happening, you know? Uh, and so I'm trying to put that first and foremost.
2: Yeah, I love that. I, I love like also kind of you said this a, a couple of minutes ago, but but the idea is not like necessarily to rewrite the curriculum, but more like document your process through, um, through you know just j- document your experience. And I think that's that's also been such a liberating thought in um, in my in my experience in in my documenting stuff by putting stuff online. Um, you know, doing the Instagram and and YouTube and all that kind of stuff. I always felt that there was so much pressure to, to, to feel like, oh, Hey, like I'm putting out content of, you know, the highest quality as opposed to, Hey, I'm just documenting my experience as a person, as a musician, trying to navigate, you know, life as a musician. And, And I feel like that's been tremendously beneficial to me. And so I commend you on um, doing that same thing. Cause I, I always think like, man, when I'm 60 or, you know, whatever, it's going to be really cool to, to look back on all these, these thoughts and ideas and experiences that we've had in our twenties and thirties and, and be able to just flip back on them and be like, Oh yeah, you, you used to think this at 25 or, you know, I you did this gig when I was 30, you know? Um, so all, all the cats listening, document, document your work. Don't, don't try and produce the, the top quality stuff all the time. Um, yeah, I, I, I think this is this is like a a good thing for Darian and I. <laughs> I feel like we're getting a masterclass right now because, um, yeah, I I mean you know Darian and I are like very Type A people. I mean I would I would say Darian's a Type A plus 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 plus, and every metric needs to be measured and 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 as as Darian was just speaking, I was thinking about this. This author that I really love reading, his name is Seth Godin, and um, he has this. Um, he defined art as uh, art is the, is any piece of work that, in, that creates change in the viewer and or the, the, the recipient of that art. And he also like kind of like he further, you know, he, he, there's like a whole chapter digging into that definition. But he, one of the things that he said that resonated with me is that um, art is not dependent on technical ability and i think that like what's what's hard for not hard but just challenging for me to accept is like kind of what you were saying too like yeah of course like we can measure like you know last week i couldn't play an f-sharp major scale but now this week i can play an f-sharp major scale and quarter notes at 260 and therefore now i am an artist and i deserve respect or whatever Quantifiable thing it is, and so I always feel like it's like a challenging thing that like we as artists are always dealing with when it comes to the fact that art doesn't actually need technical ability to inspire change in someone. I think that was probably the core. You know, people probably felt that way about Ornette Coleman. And, and and I think that we're always going to find ourselves going down that rabbit hole as as people who have gone through conservatories, who have gone through that classical conservatory training. And then we got, you know, uh, Joe Blow down the street who, like, starts a punk rock band and and only knows three chords and guitar and, and is an artist in the same way that, like, the three of us are, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I've always thought that, thought that to be, like, a, a challenging thing for me to accept.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess I... <laughs> There's a couple of different threads there, but I th- I think a lot about too, like back to that trying to hear things on a spectrum thing is like so many, maybe I'll backtrack and say a big thing lately has been like being able to appreciate something, specifically like a drummer's playing and also not feel pressure to like, I need to sound like that. Because I felt like for a lot of years, It was like, every time I heard something I liked, it was like, I'd be like, can I do that? Or can I not do that? Like, what does this mean about me as a player? Um, And it never really occurred to me, like, well, do I even, like, if I'm sitting there playing, do I want to play those same ideas? Like, is that how I want to interact with the sound? Or can I just enjoy watching this person do their thing and have that be not be a reflection on me doing my own thing? And when you... I feel like if you go down the list of of Black American music greats, you could get really critical and it would be unproductive and sad, but like you could go to each person and like find quote unquote flaws um, or things that it's like, I don't know, if you went to a phrase and you like nitpicked every single eighth note, you'd probably find imperfections. And of course there's imperfections, but there's also just taste. Like I think... From my perspective, so many of the greats just found their voice on the instrument and the way that I interpret finding your voice and like connecting with the music in the way that you connect with it, like Coltrane has a sound like that, that his thing is just what he really loved about playing music. In my perspective, I guess I'm not him, but I would say that that is so much different then like everyone who's a great had their own thing, I guess is what I feel like. And maybe the quick, I want to add to it. Yeah. I guess like to me, the quickest way to get there might be to follow the things that you love about music as opposed to just, you know, like, cause that'll get you to your voice.
2: I, I, I just wanted to add to what you were saying too. Like, I think something that that's been like liberating to me also is that like a lot of times our voice is found in the things that we, the things that we can't do that other people can like exactly what you're saying, like as a drummer or a clarinet player or whatever, like maybe I can't do what that other cat does, but that's doesn't mean that I need to do that. Maybe my, my voice is in my insufficiencies or, or, you know, discrep, you know, the things that I can't do as a musician and by traveling more down that road, that's actually something that's unique to me that I could develop Mm -hmm. into my sound.
1: Yeah. And And it might be like, you don't have the facility, but it also might be like, I don't know, like the first example that comes to my mind is like a lead trumpet sound. It's like, well, I can't play lead, but maybe you don't actually like playing really high or even in a big band. Like maybe you didn't even want that gig, but you spend like hours awake at night feeling ashamed for not being able to play high and play lead. And that that's just a disconnect there that I don't want to spend any more time doing, I guess.
0: No, I hear you on that. I, I, I have my own thoughts and I'll tell you real quick because I'm a very opinionated person. Yeah. Is that I don't believe in the concept of finding one's voice. And this is why. Cool. I've never met a baby born that came out and said, oh shit, can somebody help me find my voice? Yeah. No, that just doesn't happen. And, and if you watch a kid they are who they are until someone else tells them you should be this other thing. And so what, you're, what most musicians fight, in, and this happens in college because motherfucking professors say shit like, you need to find your own voice. They put that in your head and they tell you in high school, find your voice. No, bitch, this is my voice. Mm-hmm. Like, like if you can lean into you like yeah. from day one, like be you unapologetically, and, and that's one of my biggest strengths. I am this guy 100% of the time. Like I just don't give a fuck, you know? And, and it's just like, if you call me, I'm gonna play me. That's it. That's all I can do. You can say, hey man, can you play this Elvin thing? I'm gonna say, no, my name is Darian Douglas. I'm about to play some Darian Douglas shit on your gig. Yeah, that's awesome. If, if you don't like it, don't call me no more.
1: Yeah. Elvin is dead. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> and so I think that's the the piece that's missing. Like, you don't got to find your voice. You have to have the courage to be who you are every day. That's beautiful. When you're taking a shit, be you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's that's how, you know, that's what I
1: believe. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. I, Y'all got yeah. to stop, stop trying to find your voice. You got it already.
1: That's a, Yeah, I love that. I do find, though, and I can say this having like moved here that I find myself just because I'm like around the black American music community and spending time with people who who grew up here and just like a different way of speaking all that. Like I say things that I, when I go back to Utah, you know, like, and I grew up in a real Mormon city. Like I sound so different. Um, And I even feel that way here sometimes where I'll catch myself like trying to sound more New Orleans, be like, what are you doing? This is, this is bizarre. But I also find myself doing it maybe because I feel like I'll connect more or I realize that I am not from here because I'm not, that's just true. And I try to soften the edges or something. And then I go back to Utah and I'm like, wait, I don't sound like I'm from here anymore either. It's just weird. I do think, to me, that blurs the the perspective. I obviously have a voice, but that that voice changes. And and maybe when I say, I like to think about it like finding your voice as a daily opportunity, not a one-time discovery. Because sometimes I'll find myself in a conversation like, you don't sound like yourself right now. I don't know who you're trying to sound like, but this isn't you. And so, settling back into it and recognizing that it's there. Um, but i can I can lose sight of it all the time,
2: I would say i, I mean, I can't even imagine what that transition is like to coming from some upper place like Salt Lake City and then coming to New Orleans, like I could think of i mean just just like no other two places that would maybe like be like polar opposites <laughs> on the spectrum here. Um, but you know it's funny when you when you're saying like I, man, I, I, I'm not even going to name names, but I just remember this particular cat, man, who moved to town 10 years ago or so. And he was like, hello, my name is whatever. And, you know, now a couple of years later, he's like, Sabra, what's happening? I'm <laughs> just like, every time I see him, I'm just like, I just roll my eyes in the back of my head, I'm like, come on, man.
1: <laughs> but I guess, like, um, some of that too, though, is that, I don't know, for, for like playing wise, I came here to, to, to try to soak up the sound and the the spirit of the music and the swing in this city. And if we did a sound comparison from how I sat now and how I did when I moved here, I have, and, and that was me, you know, slowly changing what it sounds like when I play the instrument. And I guess the elements of voice that are consistent are like my personal values that, that show through in the music and my personality. Um, But there's also reasons I came to here because I felt like I came from a really socially conservative lifestyle and I wanted something different. And part of soaking that up, I think, is in in the way that people talk and things that they say. Uh, And there has to be a line where it's like you're you're taking this in naturally because like that's what you you wanted. It's a change in your life that you wanted. And then there's a level where it just gets weird. (laughs) and I don't know where where (laughs) that line is.
0: I mean, it's okay to soak up the culture. That's why you're in New Orleans. And I think that, that that's important. And, and like, I'm from Mississippi. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But like, I lived in New Orleans for five years. I soaked up the culture. And then what I did was I married the two, the blues and the gumbo, baby. It's one thing. And that's, that's the new me. And now you're doing the same thing with with, with your cultures, you know? And it's nothing wrong with that. I, you know, it, I, I think that, that does become your new voice as long as you just lean into the truth that it is of who tanner is mm-hmm. you
1: know i guess i would and not- i would ask you guys cuz i'm curious maybe the line is like if i try to pretend i'm an authority right on like new orleans culture or like wherever if you move somewhere and then like a few years in you're trying to tell other people what it's like there or how it should be done well-
0: I mean, if you live in Kentucky, you might be an authority. <laughs> but if you're in the Treme, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> Go knock on Shannon's door. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it just depends. And it depends on how deep you decide to get into the New Orleans culture mm-hmm. and how much you actually learn and respect that culture. In my opinion. That's right. Like,
2: but on the flip side, too, it's like it's one of these things where I, th- I think there's a lot that's that's that can be judged upon like things that are not said, you know, it's, it's a lot of times you can pick up on people's vibes just from being in the same room with them. And you can kind of tell like, Hey, is this guy coming from an authentic place of like camaraderie? And is this, is, I I don't know. I feel like to me, it's like, it's this immediate thing of like, nah, man, you jive. Like I can just, it's it's like, it's a feeling I have in myself. And I think, you know, I mean, even for me, like I'm—I I'm, moved here when I was twelve, so I still like try to tell people, like, yeah, I'm from New Orleans, but like I'm also not really from here. Like, I'm never going to be a, a Shannon Power or Herlin Riley or any of those cats. Um, but I, I think it's just—it's man, we're always we're always learning, we're always being respectful of the culture, and you know, but also acknowledging that I'm not Shannon. You know, <laughs> that's just—that's just what it is. I was, I was I was I was funny I was I was checking out one of these live streams online and they were like oh yeah it's the New Orleans cats and I was like man there's only one motherfucker on there from New Orleans come on <laughs> <laughs> Yeah but I think I think um yeah it's just it's always a fine line that we're walking cuz you know look both Darren and I we're not really from here like that you know So but yeah we can new orleans is a beautiful place man and and it's it's just people's opinions too that's and i think that's too like a thing that that maybe you're advocating in yourself is you know maybe maybe the the dude on the corner is like pissed that you're coming here or or that i'm coming here and doing whatever to the culture but that's just his opinion and and shouldn't deter any of us from you know spreading goodness into the world and, and you know just from where you're coming from, like I appreciate your vibe because you you are putting out positivity into the world and and preaching a a very, a a great message that if anyone was to incorporate into their their lives, I feel like they would be happier with themselves and also inspire positive change in others. So sometimes people are just going to be grumpy motherfuckers, you know? (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) And sometimes that person is me. Like, uh, again, (laughs) like it's not um a hard and fast rule. And it it there's always there are gigs that I don't enjoy that for good reason where it's like I never want to I never want to play that again. You know, like that that's fair too, but it is a uh, driving ideal for me. And I think I guess it's it's an experiment, and it's ongoing, but I'm really proud and happy with how it's going so far. And really honored that it resonates with some people. Um, And I definitely appreciate the two of you for, for having me on, but, and for pushing back, I guess, or, or asking questions and, and having a discussion about it, because I know it's so hard to present an idea. Like, I don't know, there's like a hundred hours of podcasting, like material on my thing to try to get to this idea. And then you put it into a three, like word title, the happy musicians. And it's just supposed to be clear what your thing is. And that's the thing that drives me crazy about social media. Is like you try to share a little wholesome thought and there's just all these people trying to dig into it. And I always think, well, you should just listen to the podcast because we're not going to find nuance on, on Instagram. There's just no bandwidth for it, but.
0: no, I, Absolutely. I, I listen, man. I appreciate, I appreciate that you are, advocating that people be happy in what they're doing. And I, and I think that that is the true meaning of life. Like, you know, love and, and happiness, because what else do we have? So if you're playing music, and Jermaine Basel told me this, he's like, if you're playing music and you're not having fun, you're doing the wrong thing. And, and sometimes you're just on the wrong bandstand, and mm-hmm. you got to really say, okay, this, this opportunity isn't for me. And I think that artists and musicians especially get caught up in that, in the hustle trap, especially in New York, you just hustle, hustle, hustle to pay the rent. And you did 20 gigs that you hate, you know, I can dig a ditch and be miserable. (laughs) So, you know, you really, you really got to put that into perspective. Um, and, and so for that, I do appreciate, appreciate what you're doing and and asking the questions and having people, you know, investigate this and, and hopefully, uh, you never know. You might change the world.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe the last thing I would say is that I tried when I started it, I called it the happy musicians. And I I feel like I was hanging a lot on that S on the plural there. Um, Cause I wanted to distance it, distance it from being me as like the authority on happiness and the arbiter between who is and isn't like a joyful musician. Um, Cause I certainly don't think of myself that way, but it's always just been about people that inspire me and trying to talk to those people and and trying to find answers and I I feel more centered with my relationship with music but I also still just feel like I'm just looking for for mentors along the way here um, and it really just is about connecting with other people and, and drawing on their inspiration too so uh, and, and 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 a community of people who are interested in connecting with music this way
2: I love it. I love it. Um, I feel like this whole hour has been a masterclass for me. It was like a therapy session for both Darren and I. We're both, we're both venting our thoughts and, and, and feelings in the past and, and running them through you. And, and, and I appreciate you being so forward and, and you know, like just, just letting us. I mean, I, I think that's the, the beauty of these things. There is no nuance on Instagram. And I appreciate these opportunities to sit down and just just, just talk, just just you know, ask questions and, and just come from a place of, yeah, c- creating community through conversation. And, um, I think this is, uh, I I'm really excited to put this one up because I think there's a, a lot of great thoughts and ideas, um, that you presented to us. And, and I think that it is of tremendous benefit to, uh, to wh- whoever listens and, and is able to incorporate that stuff in their life. Um, but we got, we got to call it time now. And so, before we do that, I'm going to steal your line, Darren. Can you, can you let us know, how, how do people get in touch with you? Where can everyone find your stuff? And before after you say that, what's one thing you learned through doing your project that that has changed you?
1: Yeah. You can find, I'm mostly on Instagram, but I'm taking the month off, which has been like a breath of fresh air. It feels amazing. But at the Happy musicians thehappymusicians.com. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Episode 70 with Cyrilla May uh, is up on there. That was the re- latest episode. And new episodes will start in June, which I'm really excited about. You can reach out directly if you want to talk or connect tannergus at gmail.com. And one thing, I guess that the most rewarding thing I've about this path has been connecting with other musicians and like finding musical friendships and band families and mentors and putting those relationships first and foremost always has me feeling at my best and if you don't have Like, if you don't have a mentor that makes you feel centered on this path, you deserve one, and you should go find one.
0: That's beautiful, man. I love it. Love that.
1: Thank you guys so much. I I had a lot of fun, and I appreciate the platform and everything you are doing. So thanks again.
0: Absolutely. I feel like, Greg, we had to get Tanner on for a part two so I can yell at him. Yeah, come prepared.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, we we're gonna, we're gonna get you to come out to our camp, and, and and if you have some time, we'd love for you to to come out, talk to some of our kids about oh, so the fun. things you're doing, and and impart some of those ideas to them. man. we want to make sure the next generation is coming up with the positivity and and moving in the right direction. You know,
1: yeah. I'm sure. I mean, I know you guys are sharing a lot of love with them, um, but I would be honored. That would be a lot of fun.
2: Beautiful, beautiful. We're gonna make it happen. But y'all, Tanner. Um, y'all, please check him out. Uh, follow him on Instagram. All the social medias. Check out the podcast, Happy Musicians. And yo, it's been an absolute pleasure having you here. Thank you so much for what you do. And uh, man, I really appreciate y'all, you coming on and uh, and sharing, just sharing your experience and uh, your thoughts with us, man. All right,
0: y'all. My name is Darian Douglas.
2: I'm Gregory Ajid.
0: Later.